0: And so in a feeble attempt to try and relate uh, this logical paradox to real life, I'll start with a historical remark. Um, During the Second World War, the Swedish Broadcasting Company made an announcement that seemed innocuous enough. A civil defense drill would be held sometime during the following week, but no one would know in advance on what day the drill would occur. Upon hearing the announcement, Leonard Ekbom, a then 20-something mathematician, noticed and discussed with his students something paradoxical about the announcement. And I'll get into that at length later. The paradox is now sometimes referred to as the Hangman Paradox, or more usually the surprise examination paradox. And it's this. Mm. A teacher announces to a class that an exam will be given one day next week, but none of the students will know in advance of the exam on which day it is to be given. One of the students then reasons, OK, it can't be given on Friday, since by the end of class on Thursday, we would know that the exam has to be given on Friday, violating the surprise condition of the announcement. So it would seem that the exam must be given on one of the days, Monday to Thursday. But by similar reasoning, the exam can't be given on Thursday, since by the end of the class on Wednesday, and given the prior reasoning ruling out Friday, we would deduce that the exam has to be given on Thursday. And so, once again, there would be no surprise. And this reasoning iterates for Wednesday, Tuesday, and finally Monday, leading the student to make the counterintuitive but seemingly valid conclusion that the announcement is necessarily false. No surprise exam can be given. Now, upon the problem's first... uh, Well, the problem first appeared in print in an article by O'Connor in mind in 1948, and the initial analyses of it were along the lines that the announcement is self-defeating, with some likening it to the Epimenides sentence. Um, Like this sentence is false, or all Cretans are liars, said by a Cretan. But this simple assimilation of Ekblom's problem to the paradox of the liar was abandoned, and the true paradoxical nature of the situation revealed once it was noticed that the exam could be given on, say, Wednesday, thus surprising the students, even or especially the one that had proved that a surprise exam could be (laughs) given. This aspect of the paradox is worth keeping in mind as it suggests that there must be something faulty about the student's reasoning, albeit possibly in addition to some flaw in the announcement. Authors who focus exclusively on the problematic nature of the announcement thus fail to give a proper account of the entire paradox. Now, it seems to me that the paradox can be solved. Indeed, I believe it has been solved. Sorensen, in a 1984 paper, and others, have noticed that the student's reasoning requires him to know or her to know propositions that, though true, are ones which it is not possible for the student to know. Thus, the student's reasoning is flawed and surprise is possible. OK, so I'm not going to go in, over in detail what Sorensen's solution is. Um, instead, I'm going to jump to uh, what's wrong? The reason why I'm not going to go over it in detail, because Sorensen himself, I thought I said this somewhere, um, sorensen himself noticed that um, there's a a modification of the paradox that eludes even his own solution. So he, at least in a 1986 paper, two years after the previous one, thought that there's a way to modify the paradox to make it strengthened, make it harder, and none of the existing solutions um, for the previous. the previous uh, paradox would work for this new strengthened paradox. That's where I want to begin, really, with the uh, strengthened paradox of the surprise examination. Okay, so what's this strengthened paradox? As I said, two years after Sorensen published his 84 paper, another paper appeared presenting a strengthened version of the paradox that supposedly undercut all purported solutions, including Sorensen's, and appropriately enough, perhaps given the subject matter that <coughs> paper was written by Sorensen himself, And although the paradox seems to be substantially different from the conventional paradox of the surprise exam, I think Sorensen makes a convincing case that it is, in fact, a version of the paradox of the surprise examination. And I'll I'll assume that. Um, However, despite Sorensen's claim that the strengthened paradox was or is as yet unsolved, I don't know if he still thinks that, Um, I'll argue that Sorensen himself has already given us the materials to resolve even this industrial strength version of the paradox of the surprise exam. So the strengthened version is, uh, I'm sorry if there aren't enough handouts, I hope everyone can see one. Um, So the strengthened version is given uh, to you uh, there. uh, um, A teacher says to a student, Dave, um, starting next week, I will pay you $1,000 if at midnight you form the intention to take an exam on the next day. And furthermore, as long as you carry out your intention, that offer will be renewed the next day for every day next week. So midnight Sunday night, if this, if Dave has an intention to take the exam on Monday, then Dave gets $1,000 immediately. And if Dave takes the exam on Monday in addition, then midnight Monday night the offer is repeated until um, midnight Thursday night is the last offer and the last uh, doling out of £1,000 if indeed <coughs> Dave is, has an intention to take an exam on Friday. now. Some assumptions have to be made about Dave in order to to create a paradoxical situation out of this strange offer. Um, Suppose that Dave doesn't like taking exams, but he does like money, and he certainly doesn't mind taking an exam, let alone merely forming the intention to take an exam, if it means he's going to get $1,000 out of it. Now, also assume that Dave's not stupid in a technical sense of... of being stupid. Um, He won't do something he doesn't like if 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 he doesn't believe it's going to gain him anything. So um, if there's a particular course of action he doesn't like, like taking an exam, if there's no way for him to benefit from taking that exam, then he won't take the exam. And furthermore, he knows he's not stupid in that technical sense. So he knows that if he's not going to benefit at all by taking an exam, then he knows that he's not going to take an exam. And he's also uh, he's had some philosophy, so he knows um, I1, which is the claim that for you know all subjects, for all subjects and all actions, if a subject knows that they're not going to perform that action, then they cannot intend to perform that action. Okay, so Dave knows all that, and those are his characteristics. Well, now the question is, what should Dave do if he wants to maximize, or what will Dave do? if he wants to maximize his uh, monetary intake. Well, Dave reasons this way. Clearly, I should take the exams. $5,000, that's if I I form five intentions to take exams. Uh, But wait, after I form the intention late Thursday night, so it's midnight Thursday night, to take the exam on Friday, and I'm given my $1,000 for doing so, I will no longer have any incentive to take the exam on Friday because now the offer is over I've got my $5,000 that's it well since I know I'm not stupid I know I won't take the exam I'm not stupid so I won't take the exam and I know I'm not stupid so I know I'm not going to take the exam on Friday and if I've learned anything about the philosophy of action I've learned that one cannot intend to do what one knows one will not do so I cannot intend to take the exam on Friday So, okay, I won't get paid at midnight on Thursday because I can't form the right intention. Okay, so the last time I can get paid is midnight Wednesday night for forming an intention to take the exam on Thursday. Uh Uh-oh. But it follows that once I've been paid for forming the intention to take an exam on Wednesday night, there's no incentive for me to actually take that exam on Thursday. Because the only reason why I would take the exam on Thursday is to ensure that I made an offer Thursday night. I already know I can't benefit from the offer offer Thursday night. So there's no way I could benefit at all from taking the exam on Thursday. Therefore, I'm not going to take the exam on Thursday. Therefore, I can't intend to take the exam on Thursday. And so on and so on. So I can't take the teacher up on the offer even once. Now, a disanalogy with the normal surprise examination paradox is that there is no punchline equivalent to the teacher giving the exam on Wednesday and surprising Dave anyway. So what is the paradox here? Well, Sorensen doesn't say exactly, and he's the one who formulated this paradox but in this form. Uh, but it seems that it should have something to do with an intuition that Dave could make some money from the teacher's office. It seems like there's a there's a possibility there that you could make some money, that you should be able to carry somehow um, follow through on forming an intention to take an exam and getting a thousand dollars for it. Um, perhaps that's a weak uh, way of stating what the paradox is, um, and uh, perhaps your it's a weak intention. I mean, I'm sorry. It's maybe it's a, a weak intuition that. Um, that you should be able to take advantage of such an <laughs> odd situation. But I think that really is what Sorensen sees as the, as the paradox here. We have an intuition that he should be able to take up the teacher on the offer, but he can't. Now, um, I think I'll cut out some, I think there's some interesting connections here between uh, this paradox and another paradox called Newcomb's problem, but for interests of keeping things brief, briefer, I'll just cut that those out. But there does seem to be an assumption here in stating the paradox that the ideally rational agent and Sorensen doesn't hide the fact that he is assuming that Dave is in some sense ideally rational. Uh, The ideally rational agent it seems to be assumed will always form intentions on a provisional basis and allow that the intention may be overridden in the light of future evidence or situational factors. So it seems that uh, with Sorensen's view of what rationality is you can fix an intention, but you always are checking to see whether or not you really should um, carry out that intention with an arbitrary number of times. Now if instead rationality does not require that, if an unconditional commitment to an intended course of action could at least sometimes be considered more rational, or at least as rational than provisional acceptance of it, <coughs> then I think one could resolve uh, even this strengthened paradox on such an account of rationality, Dave doesn't know that he will not take the exam on Friday or that he um, that doesn't know that he will take the exam on Friday because he can't rule out the possibility that rationality may dictate that he form a what you might call a ballistic, non-defeasible it, intention to take the exam on Friday. So he knows that if he were able to choose whether or not to take the exam when Friday comes around, then he knows he's not stupid he knows he will take the he knows he will not take the exam but what he can't rule out is that something for some reason between now and then he might through a rational process form an unconditional commitment to taking the exam on Friday and the choice won't arise for him he just will take the exam <coughs> um, now it does seem that there are, are cases in which such non defeasible intentions and self-imposed limitations on deliberation uh, might be the most rational course of action. Uh, you could take this paradox and other paradoxes. Uh, I mentioned Newcomb's problem. I think there's another paradox, that of the two generals uh, trying to attack a, a, a target in unison. Um, I think these there are some examples that can uh, motivate that that from the, from the realm of paradoxes, but I think it's also a familiar feature of everyday experience that deciding now to fix a non-defeasible intention and making it off limits to one's future deliberations can be the best course of action, and one need only consider the way in which such commitment enables beneficial relationships of trust, such as marriage, to develop. So I think it's not such a bizarre idea that rationality might involve these types of ballistic intentions, but. I'm not going to offer that as the solution to the strengthened paradox, although I think it's worth investigating in another, in another situation. I think there's a more direct logical solution, a more direct dismantling of the paradox. Um, so despite Swanson's own claim that his previous solution can't do the trick, I think the notion of um, what he calls conditional epistemic blind spots, um, that notion is exactly what is required to see, once again, the flaw in Dave's reasoning as it was in the uh, simpler surprise examination paradox. Now I haven't explained what a conditional epistemic blind spot is, but hopefully I don't really need to. Let's see what I have on the handout at this point. Uh, Okay, so basically I'm just going to instead define um, something called an epistemic blind spot set for an agent X. So let S be some set of propositions and let the set (coughs) S sub X be that's the, the set of propositions that asserts, for each of, each of, asserts that for each of the members in the first set, X knows that proposition. i give some examples um, right after that. Well, given that uh, definition of S and S sub X, we can say that a set of propositions S constitutes an epistemic blind spot set for X if S has that form and is consistent, but S sub X has the form I, def- I described and it is not consistent. Now, so I give some examples yeah. to help make this clear. So su- suppose um, S is the set of propositions of one. Pro- there's only one proposition in this set. It is raining, but Jim doesn't know it. Now, the set S sub Jim will be the set um, containing one proposition, claiming that Jim knows that proposition that was in the first set. So Jim knows that it is raining, but Jim doesn't know it. Now. S is consistent. It's not a contradiction to suppose that it's raining, but Jim doesn't know it, as long as you're not Jim. Um, But the set S sub Jim is not consistent. There's no way that Jim could know that it is raining, but Jim doesn't know it. That's That's the notion of an epistemic blind spot that I'm relying on. So that's why I call it an epistemic blind spot set. That proposition, it is raining, but Jim doesn't know it is an epistemic blind spot for Jim. It can be true, but Jim can't know it to be true, because in doing so, um, there there would be a contradiction. If he knew that it was raining, sorry, if he knows that it's, if you assume that, for instance, knowledge um, distributes over conjunction, then if Jim knows that it's rain, if Jim were to know that it's raining, but Jim doesn't (coughs) know it, or Jim doesn't know it, then you'd have to know both that it's raining, and he'd have to know that Jim doesn't know it. Um, but if he knows that Jim doesn't know it, that implies that Jim doesn't know it, and yet we've already uh, said that Jim does know that it's raining, so um, anyway, that's, that's inconsistent. Another example of an epistemic blind spot set is, uh, is uh, here there are two members of the set. The first member is, um, of, of, of S is, if Ralph survived, <coughs> Ralph is the only one who knows it, And the other member of the set is Ralph survived. And now s sub -sub, uh, jim, for instance. It could be any of us, but let's take jim. Uh, s sub jim is jim knows that Ralph uh, Ralph survived. And jim knows that if Ralph survived, Ralph is the only one who knows it. I reversed the order there for some reason. Now, it turns out S is consistent. It's perfectly consistent that if Ralph survived, Ralph is the only one who knows it, and in fact Ralph survived. But it's not consistent for us to suppose that Jim knows that Ralph survived, and Jim knows that if Ralph survived, Ralph is the only one who knows it, because that would be inconsistent. It would require for Jim to both, for us to say that uh, Jim knows that Ralph survived and that he doesn't know that Ralph survived. So that's another example of an epistemic blind spot set. So what? what follows from this is that if S is an epistemic blind spot set for someone, then that someone cannot simultaneously know all the members of S. It's a contradiction to suppose that. Now I think this notion will help us see what's wrong with Dave's reasoning in the Strengthened Paradox. He's going to have to commit himself, or the only way we can understand him drawing that inference and gaining knowledge from it is for us to um, uh, ascribe to him three pieces of knowledge that together form an inconsistent set. Um, so his reasoning uses three premises that constitute an epistemic blind spot set for him. Okay, so let's look at how that happens. So how does this, um, h- how does this work? Um, well, recall that since Dave is not stupid, he will not take the exam on Friday. So that's just this uh, S1, it's just, that's those symbols just mean it's not the case that Dave's gonna take the exam. Um, not, D. Is, the capital D is do. So it's not the case, lowercase d is Dave, so it's not the case that Dave is going to do the Friday exam. He's not going to take the exam on Friday. Now, since Dave knows he's not stupid, he knows S1. So we have Dave knows that he's not going to take the Friday exam. Now, Dave also knows um, I1, this uh, claim that if you know you're not going to do something, then you can't intend to do it. He doesn't just know that in its general form, I mean, he also knows since it's generally true, he he knows it's true in his case, and he needs to instantiate it for his own case and the case of the exam on Friday in order to follow the reasoning that um, Sorensen uh, says he goes through. So he has to instantiate it as, um, I think it's the next thing on your handout, Um, Dave knows Uh, That If Dave knows that he will not take the exam on Friday, then it follows that he will cannot intend or will not intend to take, does not intend to take the exam on Friday. (coughs) But we, but that we can just, uh, it's just a logical truth that that's equivalent to um, the S2, whatever written down is S2. So you just, you just uh, deny the consequent and you get, um, if it is the case that Dave intends to take the exam on Friday, then it can't be that he knows that he won't take the exam. Okay, so that's, that's something that um, Dave knows. Now to this, um, we can add a reasonable assumption, I think, one that's uh, completely in accordance with Sorensen's assumption that Dave is an ideally rational agent, and that's, uh, you might call it well. Uh, a transparency condition, as Murley suggested. So uh, for all agents and all actions, if an agent intends to do an action, then they know that they intend to do the action. Now, note that we don't have to assume that Dave knows I2. He might not know I2. Um, we only need to assume that I2 is, in fact, true. And we don't really have to assume that it's true for all agents. We just we only need to assume that it's true for ideal agents like Dave, or even just Dave. Now, as soon as Dave forms the intention to take the exam on Friday, we get S3. Dave intends to take the exam on Friday, which together with, um, with I2, if you recall, implies that he knows that he intends to take the exam on Friday. Now, I, now I've got everything in place. Uh, I, I claim that this set of S1, S2, and S3, what are they? S1 is uh, Dave won't take the exam on Friday. S2 is if Dave intends to take the exam on Friday, then he doesn't know that he won't, take the, then he won't take the exam on Friday. And S3 is Dave intends to take the exam on Friday. I claim that all three of those are a non-trivial epistemic blind spot set for Dave. Um, I'm saying non-trivial in that S1, S2, and S3 are themselves consistent. There's no paradox or inconsistency in supposing those three premises are true. And in fact, we could go through the kind of mm-hmm. reasoning. Uh, any, uh, uh, we could use these three premises and reasoning as long as we're not Dave. Um, uh, but the three corresponding propositions that involve knowledge claims about Dave, Dave knows that S1 is true, Dave knows, that, knows S2, Dave knows S3. That set together is inconsistent. It follows that since Dave knows S1 and S3, he knows that uh, he can't take the exam on Friday. He knows that he intends to take the exam on Friday. Then he cannot know s2. He cannot know that if he intends to take the exam on Friday, then he doesn't know that he won't take the exam on Friday. Those, that If he did, those three together would imply that he, know, he doesn't know that he won't take the exam on fr- Friday. But we actually have already seen that he knows that he won't take the exam on Friday. So in particular, he is barred, well therefore he is barred from knowing any of the conclusions, any conclusions that he might draw from S2 because he doesn't know S2, he doesn't know the instantiation of the, uh, this general uh, um, logical truth about action that Sorensen uh, had Dave use in his reasoning. He can, gra- he can know the general form, but once he tries to instantiate it, um, and given that he already knows S1 and S3, he can't know S2. So his reasoning is arrested there. He, the paradox is resolved. He cannot actually um, conclude that he cannot form an intention to take the exam on Friday. So it looked like there was this crazy line of reasoning. It looked like he was, uh, he could, he was allowed to conclude logically and validly that he cannot form an intention to take the exam on Friday. But actually, he cannot um, make that con- um, inference Um, Another way of putting it is this, knowledge of all the members of S is required for Dave to reason in the way the paradox requires, but Dave cannot know simultaneously all the members of S, so Dave's reasoning fails and the paradox does not arise. This way of putting things allows us to finesse, oh okay, this is an issue that came up in a section I deleted. An inference is, you might say, an inference is epistemically consistent for a subject if the premises and conclusion of the inference do not form an epistemic blind spot set for that subject. An inference only confers knowledge of its conclusion if it is epistemically consistent. Since Dave's inference is not epistemically consistent, the paradox is resolved. Um, Now just in closing, some may not be willing to grant what I've been assuming all along that Sorensen's analysis in terms of epistemic blind spots resolves the normal weaker surprise examination paradox. So I could just conditionalize the claim of this paper. It's last sentence. I'm sorry, so I'll finish. (laughs) So let me conditionalize the claim of this paper. If the student's reasoning in the weaker paradox is flawed because it trades on an epistemic blind spot, then so also for the strengthened paradox.